have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. At least with these glasses on. We've been wearing glasses this whole time, (laughs) in case you've been wondering. But once we take off our glasses, we become the... 2019 how are we dating this i don't know let's just put all (laughs) the cards on the table and tell the people what we've done we are reviewing superman 2 originally we set out to review the richard donner cut Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. much like uh seo when you name a movie the same thing and you just assume things that you're watching are the things that you're watching we're actually reviewing both the Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, and the Superman 2, nothing else cut. Colon nothing. Uh, yeah, so Ricky watched the Superman 2 that was theatrically released and directed by yes. Richard Lester, technically. Mm-hmm. I watched Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, uh and yeah this was an accident but we're gonna make it yes. work um and why did we why 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 did this happen well we're reviewing this because the snyder cut uh trailer uh which is another case of a dc property that had a director step in and completely change everything oh man is i am so excited because uh I, I watched this whole movie. This is my first time watching Superman 2. Mm. Um, and this is one of those movies that has such a fascinating behind-the-scenes uh, story. Uh, almost, I, I just feel like the Superman property has so many behind-the-scenes. Like the Superman Returns mm-hmm. uh, movie that almost happened, that almost like, had Nicolas Cage oh, as Superman. Like the Kevin Smith one, yeah, too? That like, whole yeah, that like even that like ha- that is kind of tied to the Richard Donner cut uh and so we're going to go back we're going to give you the behind the scenes and then we're going to review this movie i hope that you have your seatbelts on cuz we are about to go on a ride so superman 2 is a sequel to the you know the superman colon the movie the 1978 movie uh this movie superman 2 was always envisioned to be the part two to the part one that was the first superman movie so much so that richard donner actually shot congruently superman 2 and superman 1 and when i say Mm -hmm. this there's this scene that just absolutely baffles me it's not like lord of the rings where it's just like we'll shoot both movies like we're just shooting these movies back to back no they are shooting the movie simultaneously so like this shot of like perry's office and they're shooting one scene for Superman 1, and then change wardrobe and shoot the scene for Superman 2. Mm-hmm. They shot 70% of Superman 2 while they were shooting Superman 1. The only reason why they didn't finish it all the way was because they had to stop production on Superman 2 so they can release Superman 1. Uh, mm. And that was just, it was all from the vision of Richard Donner, who really had a, a crystal clear vision of what this was going to look like. Yeah. Uh, last time when we saw Superman, at the end of Superman 1, Superman does the iconic spin the world back in time to reset everything, which was originally supposed to be the ending for Superman 2. But the studio was like, oh, no, let's let's give people this ending now. 
And so what happened uh, at the end of Superman, the movie one, uh, there was some falling out between the director, uh, Richard Donner, and the producers. And so uh, a new director uh, was chosen. Uh, He had actually worked on, uh, Richard Lester had actually worked on the first Superman movie. uh, But then he got tasked with doing that. But he had a quota to meet. He had to shoot 51% new footage in order to get a full director's cut mm-hmm. for Superman 2. And so he had to basically delete, 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 delete. Uh, because, again, they had 70% of Superman 2 shot in the can. Uh, and so they had to do that. And so that that's why some things got changed and added. Not only that, they didn't want to pay Marlon Brando who was requesting a then 11% of the box office Whoa. in order to be featured. He had already shot all his stuff. His stuff is done. Just to use it, he was demanding 11% of the box office. And so they're like, get rid of Brando. Get rid of Jor-El. Know him. And so he's just not in that movie mm. for that reason. Uh, and then there was also some drama on set with Gene Hackman, who refused to come in uh, to the project with a new director, but he had already shot all of his stuff. So they just used all the footage from Gene Hackman is footage that they had already shot from the first Superman movie. All of it. Wow. Uh, wow. That You know, all these pieces are falling into place and... I just have to... We've never reviewed a movie uh, where you and I watched two different versions of it. So I feel like everything that you just said, we're going to have to launch a new segment (laughs) called uh, So What Happened in Your Movie? Because (laughs) let's just lay out some spoiler alerts for both versions of Superman 2. Uh, That ending you described where he flies around, yeah, that happened in Superman 1. Guess what? Happened at the end of my movie, too. (laughs) That's how it ends. He undoes it all. You see the Washington Monument go back up. Everything gets reset, and nobody remembers the events of this movie. Lois doesn't know. Oh, yeah. Does Lois know he's Superman in this? Okay, so... So what happened in my movie is that Clark Kent, and there's this really beautiful story of how they decided to do this. So in this version, the Richard Lester version, Lois is having this heartbreaking kind of breakdown of like, I'm concerned for you. Uh, I always have to wonder if you're going to live or not. And so Clark Kent kisses Lois and he gives her this forget-me-not kiss uh, where she basically gets retconned and then... He gets done kissing her, and then she's like, oh, Clark, what are you doing here? And she, she doesn't remember anything. So Lois is the only one who doesn't remember. So Superman has the ability to brainwash people by kissing them? This is news to me. Unless I already knew that, and I just got kissed by Superman. I don't know. Interesting. So that happens at the yeah. end? That's kind of how <laughs> they re- how it, Okay. And so, and so it ends there. Well, then after that, Superman uh, restores the White House. He gets them, like, a new flag and everything. Mm. Uh, Goes flag and then shopping. He fly- yeah. Yeah, he flies off into the sunset uh, or into the stratosphere. And that's basically how it ends. Um, Oh, no, I take that back. That's not how it ends. It ends with Clark Kent going back to that diner and, like, roughing up the dude. That happens in mine, too. Okay, that is one of my favorite scenes. We'll we'll go back to that later. 
another interesting thing about the Richard Donner cut, just how like it came to be, it came about in 2006 because they were trying to make the Superman Returns movie. Right, and they uh, needed which, the footage of Brando, and that's yes. kind of what unlocked all of this additional stuff, because Marlon Brando is in my movie. Yeah. The one that I watched, he, a lot is, of footage. I, there is no one with an M name in my movie, it, last I checked. <laughs> it's Argo Kidder. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's actually one of the key plot points of the Richard Donner cut, is his relationship with his dad. So this is crazy, Ricky, because I took so many notes that I don't even know if they're usable because I'm referencing stuff that I don't know because I've seen Superman 2 colon nothing after that, but years (laughs) ago. So it's really hard to tell. It's like when we did Blade Runner and we weren't sure what was Final Cut stuff and what... Yes. Like, it's hard to remember which one was separate without watching them back to back. So... Since I watched the Richard Donner version, it's all about the relationship with the dad, in addition to Lois, because whenever he loses, like he sacrifices the ability to be Superman, the only way to get it back is to use up the rest of the force ghost energy of his father in the Fortress of Solitude, and that's how he becomes Superman again. He uses... So Brando says, "No way." Jor-El says that long ago he sacrificed himself. He let himself die so that his child could live. Now he must do it again so he can become Superman again. It's so thematically beautiful. That is per. That's perfect. And so that's okay, the end of Jor-El in this world. He uses up the last of that. Yeah. Let me tell you what happens in my version, Grayson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing. Oh, <laughs> wait. Does he does he destroy the fortress of solitude? So he so, oh, he destroys the whole fortress. The whole fortress is gone. Yeah. So he looks out uh, over the fortress oh my gosh, with that's so uh, he. Oh, yeah, he and man. Lois escape because he throws uh, Zod and Co down. Like he takes their powers away from them. Is that yeah? Okay, takes her powers yes. away. They fall through the mist and all that. Then they fly out of the fortress. Since his dad is no longer there, he has no reason to go back. He's he's not in training anymore. So he looks over it and he laser beams the fortress oh. down and burns it down. Um, and then they move on. Although then he reverses wow. the Earth. So I guess he undid everything, and it's possible that. Wow! Oh, but since it's at the North Pole, I wonder they could justify that because it's on the pole, it doesn't have the same kind of centrifugal force when you reverse the Earth. So I don't know if it's still standing or not. I don't remember from, from future movies. Man. But yeah, in the Richard Donner cut, he burns the Fortress of Solitude to the ground. Wow. That's amazing. Well, and, and, and it makes so much more sense because in the movie basically what happens is superman gets the cookies beat out of them and mm-hmm. in the you know, diner they, yeah at the diner yeah. and <laughs> which is one of my favorite scenes and i just want to dive deep into it but we'll, we'll get there later uh and then he turns on the television and they're like hey the world's about to be done we're about to be a wrap on the earth because of zod and then court just goes away He's like, I gotta make it right. I'm just like, but did we just see a scene where you said there's no way to reverse it, and he just comes back as no? I take it back. He he does go back to the fortress. He like just walks there. He picks up his little green gem or, or the little green crystal, and then 
we're just led to believe that somehow he got his powers back and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was just all there was. But the dad thing, that's yeah, it's, beautiful. It's, it's really nice and really well done. Ugh. And there's interactions between Lex Luthor and Jor-El. Uh, which is how Luther has enough information to be valuable to Zod, which is why he keeps wow. him around. Um, there is kind of weirdness. You, you mentioned that Gene Hackman's stuff was, you know, they shot concurrently. So it's before he has his head shaved in prison. So for most of it, he has his hair back, but you just kind of have to believe it's a wig. Um, that his, yep. his vanity caused him to wear a wig or something like that. So, because yep. um, they're shooting in the office and all that kind of stuff. So that still works with the cut, with the way that they assembled it in 2006. But what is really fascinating to me is, uh, Ricky, again, I'm having a hard time keeping timelines straight. This is as close as this podcast is ever going to get to existing in a multiverse. But yep. we, <laughs> what's interesting Which is, is that very the, DC. at the beginning of this cut, uh, they show you the end of Superman 1. Yeah. Which we reviewed, but we reviewed it a while ago. So help me set events straight. In Superman 1, does a nuclear bomb go off on the planet and decimate the world? Oh, my gosh. And that's uh, how he, no. has to, he has to reverse stuff, right? That's Oh, yeah. No. Well, the bomb doesn't go off and decimate the Earth like Lois dies. Oh, that's what it was. Lois dies. Right. I knew there was some kind of a... So, that seems to have not happened in... At the beginning, which is the end of Superman 1. So, like you said, with him wanting to save the Earth reversing for the end, there isn't, Mm -hmm. as far as I know, a Donner cut of Superman 1 because that was his cut, except for the fact that they made him move the Earth spinning around and reversing time. They made him move that to the end of Superman 1. So, since this Donner cut is supposed to be the connective tissue of one and two, mm-hmm. they kind of at the same time Donnered cut the end of Superman one and re-show you events where Lex Luthor puts the uh, the chain around the neck of Superman with the kryptonite, loses that, mm-hmm. uh, and then his assistant, who kind of just disappears from the Donner cut after the first couple scenes, saves mm-hmm. him and kisses him and all that. And then w- there's the nuclear warhead that's coming in. That is then flown out to space and explodes. Oh. And the explosion of the nuclear warhead it from... Whoa. Yeah, that is what releases Zod wow. and his companions from the Phantom Zone. Wow. Grayson. Yeah. Grayson. It's all connected. Let me tell you what happened in my movie. <laughs> Paris. Huh? <laughs> the place? Yeah. So, uh, like... Clark shows up. He's like, hey, how's it going, Perry? He's like, where have you been? Lois is in Paris. There's a terrorist attack. Don't you have a TV? He's like, oh, I don't have a TV. So he goes to Paris. There's this terrorist event happening at the Eiffel Tower. Lois is literally hanging on to this elevator that's just like strapped with bomb stuff what and then superman goes in and saves her and then launches the elevator into space a la willy walking in the chocolate factory <laughs> and then that explosion causes the uh ripple to 
be the thing. But an elevator? your thing sounds so yeah, an elevator filled with bombs. Huh, huh. Uh but your thing sounds so much cooler uh, and makes way more sense. Well, it, yeah, well, I think part of it too was it was explained by Jor-El in the yep. he says to 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 Superman at one point he's like, "Oh, this is this is who Zod is and how this happened." Uh, and there were theories that the only way to escape the Phantom Zone would be from a, a sizable nuclear blast. Yep. Um, and then, uh, in parentheses, an elevator. Uh, it is <laughs> footnote asterisk elevators work yep. too. Yep. It uh, yeah, it just kind of flows together more. Where they're like, this is how the end of Superman 1 was supposed to happen. And yep. then takes you into the rest of the events. So it sounds wow. like since he goes into the office, I, you know, this is this whole episode is becoming what happened in your movie. Uh, which, no, I don't hate it. I We should do this more often. Um, <laughs> yeah, just watch two completely, two different, completely things. different movies. I watch Casablanca. You watch Dumb and Dumber. What happened in yeah. your movie? <laughs> Um, so since he went into the office and, and Perry's like, oh, she's in Paris, uh, when does, if at all, because I just don't remember, does Lois know who Clark, does she know the identity? No. What? So. That's a huge. (laughs) Well, sorry, sorry. No, go on. It does happen. Okay. So, so after that, um, because I, I know the thing you're referencing, which is amazing. So. In your movie, I know for sure mm-hmm. that the way that Superman gets revealed to uh, being who he is yeah. uh, to Lois is that Lois pulls a gun on Clark and says, hey, I'm willing to bet your life that you're Superman. Well, before right? that, let me let me okay, turn yeah, the earth it. backwards real quick. Before <laughs> that, um, she is, they're at the Daily Planet. She's looking at a picture of Superman. Superman saves mm-hmm. the day from nuclear blast. And she's looking at Clark in the office, looking at the picture of Superman. And she just starts sketching glasses over him and a hat and a suit. And she's like, ah. I know it's you. And she's trying to get him to admit it to her. And they're in Perry's office when Perry leaves. And it's just the two of them. Oh, yeah. Perry assigns them a trip to Niagara Falls. He says, you got to yes. go to Niagara Falls. And she was like, oh, that would be super, huh? And she's like trying to get Clark to admit it. Perry leaves and she's like, I know you're Superman so much so that uh, I, I know you're going to save me if I put myself in danger. So yes. she goes to the window and throws herself out the window. And so Clark... I'm assuming that this is probably what was happening in an erstwhile world in Paris. She she throws herself out the window. Clark super speeds around to the street and uses his super breath to slow her fall and then laser eyes an awning for her to bounce off of just enough for her to hit the awning and bounce onto, still very forcibly, a fruit stand. And she crushes this fruit stand with her fall. Um, and she's covered in fruit and stuff. And so after that, she's... And then he super speeds back up and looks through the window. And I'm like, Lois, are you okay? And it was just enough for her to be like, I must have been wrong about you. Because um, if you were Superman, there's no way you would have let me fall that hard onto a fruit stand. So then they go to Niagara Falls... And a kid slips off the railing and is falling. So that still happens in yours. 
Yeah, he's yeah. falling down. So that's when she doubles back on it, and she was like, "No, no, I, I, of all the kids falling in the world, why would Superman be here when you are also in Niagara Falls?" And yep. that just doesn't make sense. So much so that she pulls a gun on him. Does she pull a gun on him in the in the Lester cut? No, in the Lester cut she throws herself into the water oh and then superman or clark just is like lois lois and then he like he visions a, a large branch for her to kind of fall go over and like then she swings back to safety and then she's like ah i guess it's just not you uh the way it's revealed uh and so i want to go back to your thing your thing where she pulls out a gun mm-hmm. that was all just test footage that whole scene was just a test shoot. Oh, wow. Which is appropriate because she pulls the gun out, shoots him. He takes his glasses off and says, you know, if you had been wrong, you would have killed Clark Kent. And she goes, yeah, not with blanks. So she tricked him into revealing that he is indeed Superman. So the test footage uh, also had a test shot. Ugh. And... The way that happens in the Lester cut is that uh, he goes through this whole scene at Niagara Falls and then he they're in this hotel room. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just the super couple suite with a giant pink uh, bearskin rug. So Clark trips over the bearskin rug, accidentally knocks his glasses into a fire, just grabs it (laughs) and then puts them on. And looks like, oh, my gosh, Clark. Let me see your hand. And then he's like, nothing. And then he just walks away and then he reveals himself to be soups. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man, no, she I, straight up shoots him. <laughs> I love that. See, it's so fascinating too because um, even though I, I want to say the plot mm-hmm. sounds like it's very similar. It sounds like the story is completely different. And that's why and why we just spent so much time going over this. <laughs> For those who hear that the um, that the Snyder Cut is coming out, I mean, my, my yeah. wife has said that. She's like, well, what? explain to me, what is the big deal about this? Why is it so huge? And I think that the Donner Cut points to why this could potentially be an enormous thing. Yes, the overall idea of the same not even the same villains really for the snyder cut but that it's generally the mother box storyline and all of that yes that those pieces are in place it's about the superheroes the justice league coming together all -hmm. of that kind of thing yeah that's true but when you hear and see these shots of the joker is in this with completely different character design and different makeup and like what does that look like that's when you start to really realize after watching the lester donner cuts that the same story can radically change based on who is at the helm and who is directing and the donner cut was the original idea it was what was supposed to happen they shot one and two with the understanding that it would be done this way Mm -hmm. fast forward to now same story the Zack snyder vision everything that he has set up 
with even the director's cut of Batman vs. Superman, where you have very important footage of where the mother boxes are placed and who has access to them and how they're being used. All of those small details were meant to lead to this original version. So when you have somebody come in and alter that, and both times with Lester and Whedon, people who have a more jokey comedic take on that kind of thing where they're like no 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 we we wanted some dramatic weight to this we want mm-hmm. we wanted a gun versus a bearskin rug then that's when you start to see wow directors really do control a lot of how the story is executed they are that's the name they are directing (laughs) the course of this story and so i think there couldn't be a more appropriate uh review uh, with the snyder cut coming out especially in sequelary uh than superman 2 because what a case study of uh, what a difference it makes to have a different director yeah yeah and and something that i really just really appreciate about this movie um, I guess without giving too many spoilers about a current movie Mm -hmm. sequel from a DC property Wonder Woman 1984 Uh. um, I I like what Superman 2 proposes for Superman as a character uh, which is you know like Christopher Reeve Superman just continues to be like my favorite iteration of Superman because of his humanity hmm. and his real challenge and struggle to both be Superman, but he wants so badly to be a person. It, it, it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm sure I don't want to speak for you, but like why we really like Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's once been said that like uh, when um, Stephen Moffat was at the helm of both Doctor Who and Sherlock. Uh, they're saying, um, you know, the doctor is like a god-like figure who wants to be human, and Sherlock is a human who wants to be a god-like figure. Like, who, who, oh, like that's how they yeah. they interpret and see themselves. And and I see that so much with the Christopher Reeve Superman because his compassion is there, his challenge is there, um, and he wants so badly to be a hero and save the day but at what cost like it will cost him his relationships mm-hmm. um apparently with the richard donner cut not only his um human ones but also his like kryptonian relationships as well yeah yeah and and also you know the way i know that there are a couple of line differences with um the difference between zod and superman um mm-hmm. and how they are basically they're both are you know Kryptonian uh, beings who look at the world completely differently and it has so much to do with uh, Clark's upbringing uh, with his human parents, the the Kents, uh, but also uh, you know Martha the Kal-El side Kent. of him. Yeah. <laughs> Martha and Martha. <laughs> uh, and also the, uh, you know, his force ghost uh training from his dad Jor-El and it's just I think that it's this side of Superman is needed mm-hmm. and I think it's the one thing that uh, I started to make more sense of when it came to Man of Steel mm-hmm. like a lot of these stakes I think were missed because I don't think they spent enough time with Superman having his relationship with Lois because I think that that relationship is so important 
It's more so his him mom as a, then, right? And Man of Steel, right, kind of absolutely. Swap. But yeah, yep. I see what I see what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah. And Man of Steel, I'm glad you brought that up because watching this, I wa- I rewatched Man of Steel fairly recently. And you watched three movies <laughs> for this. By recently, uh, I mean in the last year. Uh, got it. I I went back and rewatched everything in the DCEU, basically starting mm-hmm. with Man of Steel, and it, uh, it feels the most like the Donner cut. Um, yeah. uh, Zod alone kind of brings that out, but you're absolutely right about the humanity of it. And I do think Man of Steel explores that in a different way, especially the anger, which is what mm-hmm. I want to ask about. Uh, how does Zod, and spoilers up and down all day, how does Zod end in your cut? Because there's no way they could have the same ending based on what we've said. Zod gets his hands crushed. Okay, so he gets his hand crushed fa- in this, but he just falls into the mist? He falls into the mist. So he's still down there, conceivably? Yes. Okay, interesting. So in mine, and spoiler alert from Man of Steel, part of what was so interesting and controversial about that ending is that he straight up kills Zod, you know, in, in Man of Steel and snaps his neck. But that had implications for his Kryptonian body being used in Batman versus Superman, especially uh, director's cut stuff that happens from that. And so that makes sense with who he is in that world. In in Superman 2, uh, the Richard Donner cut, because he reverses time, he reverses it all the way back to before the nuclear blast, and they are trapped in the Phantom Zone again. Like, all of them Come back on. in there. So, oh. as as the Kryptonians intended. So, he's honoring the wishes of his father by the way that he deals with it. Still doesn't have to kill, Man. but uh, does it that way. Um, either way, it sounds like the diner scene um, answers the question from Batman vs. Superman. Uh, and the answer is, yes, he does bleed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very much so, actually. Let me tell you about why this is one of my favorite scenes in any Superman movie, period. I love the idea that Superman can't fight. Like, to me, that is just one of my favorite things. Um, Max Landis, he kind of basically pitched what he would do if he had uh, the helm to make Batman v Superman or even, like, the Justice League. Uh, And he's written for... um, I think he did. He directed Chronicle. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's done some comic book writing. But his whole thing with that was like, hey, here's how you can actually... like." It's basically this whole scene where Batman essentially trains Clark on how to fight. Uh, because he's like, listen, dude, you're, you've always just walked in with the biggest muscles in the room. And now mm-hmm. you actually have to use technique to take the, down these other people. And so there is this whole little fan theory of that. And so that kind of fed into that when <laughs> he just walks into a bar like, I think someone should teach you some manners. And he just gets beat. He gets the cookies beat out of him. And I love that. I'm like, oh, so he's just strong. Like, that's just that is that is such a great idea that like, oh, well, Superman is just a standing block of marble like of course it's difficult to beat him uh but then you like take away his powers and he you you do just kind of have someone who is willing to try to do the right thing even when he physically can't i mean i've never 
seeing someone so drastically get beat from like zero to six. I mean, like pre-transformation Captain America, he was like Ooh. Steve Rogers with a trash yeah. can lid. Yes. Yeah. I could do this all day. Except, I don't think he could say that. He's like, well, that's what, like, that's, that's, my, what, that's what blood tastes My blood, like. my own blood. It was like Edward Norton versus Edward Norton. It was... <laughs> It was rough, but that's what it needed to be, right? He had to have the yeah. cookies knocked out of him to justify that ending, especially to go yeah. back and put the put the human bully in his spot. Yep, yeah, and and I, but I think that's important for Superman too because I think uh, <laughs> uh, playing word, I yeah, think it's I important think for it's Superman important. as well. The Richard Donner uh, kind of yep. uh, yeah, the Richard Donner edition. <laughs> uh, I think that the Christopher Reeves Superman. It's just so much more flawed than I think th- how a lot of people see Superman. It's just like, oh yeah, Superman, the guy who can do whatever he wants at any point in time he wants. Like, it's not just his abilities, but it's just like, okay, great. Like, what happens when he's not only outnumbered, but like out technique and mm. outclassed? I'm just like, oh man, like when they're fighting in the middle of Metropolis and you just have three people just causing this massive windstorm that like. Granted, you know, I'll, I'll allow it for, like, the 70s. Like, can you imagine just a giant windstorm just knocking stuff over? But, like, still, it's just like, well, what what are you going to do, Superman? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do to stop this? But Like, you're not yeah. just the strongest person in the room. And so, when he mm-hmm. flew away, people are like, Superman just ran away. But he had to outsmart them. Yeah, because three of them. Which is something... Out, all three of them. And I... All four of them if you include Lex. Yeah, like, did, I just thought, <laughs> did Lex have did Lex have the line in yours where he says, Yeah, that's right. You know, three against one. Just you know, grab his legs and rip it like a wishbone. <laughs> I am ordering the Richard Donner cut today. So I need to Five I own it on, on Blu-ray. Five dollars. Oh, I, I, I need to I need to physically own this. I would be willing to find the laser disc of this because you're just selling me laser so eye hard. Disc. I uh, oh, I recommend man. it. You said uh, Metropolis, but I I pose the question: Was it? Because <laughs> it looked a lot like New York. Uh, it had <laughs> it had a Statue hey, of Liberty. Yeah. It had Twin Towers. It had an Empire State Building and a Chrysler Building, and also New York addresses. <laughs> You're mistaken, Grayson. That was a Statue of Liberty. Oh, got it. That would, yeah, that's like the X Men Statue of Liberty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very long time ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh man, but just overall, even with knowing the differences and the discrepancies, I really enjoyed Superman too. Uh, there were, there were. I think there were like two moments where I'm like, what, what is happening in this movie? Uh, the S, uh plastic seal did that happen in your no, movie what is this <laughs> grayson did you know that superman can peel off the s insignia off of his uh suit and throw a giant plastic cellophane <sighs> little blanket that like wraps up uh one of the oh. zod uh street tufts uh, and then it just disappears. Yeah, you know, I remember that from way back when when I saw that version. But uh, no, that did not happen. Yeah, in this. Yeah, no. I, I was like, wh- I'm sorry. What? What? He could do what? And then also, did Superman clone himself? Not even a little bit. Okay, Superman cloned himself. He could do that. He did some shadow clone jutsu in Superman two. I'm like, wait, so he can do that? Like, 
okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, and then he, uh, I, I think those are the main two things. I'm like, oh, that was weird. And then everything else kind of made a little bit more sense. But uh, I, I like that this movie uh, really did to me kind of like a Back to the Future 2 mm-hmm. of like, hey, like, yes, you, like, Back to the Future 1, Marty become, it's all about him maturing, right? And then, and kind of, like, taking on responsibility and, like, teaching his dad how to be the man who he wants him to be. Yeah. But then Back to the Future 2 is all about Marty becoming the man who he wants to be. Mm. I think Superman 2 does the same because, like, sure, you have Superman um, who is, you know, every 12-year-old's wish for fulfillment of, like, I wish I was really strong and I could punch things and fly. Uh, but then you have, like, the humanity. Like, he he becomes this intersection of what he knows as being an adult and what it means to represent um, Krypton uh, and being a defender of the Earth. But And that's all in Superman 1. But in Superman 2, he has to decide, like, who do I want to be? Do And, like... At the end of the day, he wants to be in love. He wants to be a person. And the Clark Kent, uh, Kal-El duality, he's just like, I would really just, I'd like to be Clark Kent. I want to be in love. I love Lois, and I want to only focus on her. And in the movie, when that happens, there are costs. You've entered... We've introduced Superman to the world, and so now the world depends on Superman. And so when he basically goes on a romantic vacay and ignores the world, there are human casualties. There are <laughs> this scene. <laughs> this one of my favorite scenes. I don't know if this is in yours. Uh, where Zod and crew fly by Mount Rushmore. And they change the three faces, the first three faces, and then just destroy Abraham. <laughs> no, that does not happen in my cut. Destroy. That did not happen. In yours, did they kill everyone on the uh, moon? Oh yeah, okay. they absolutely okay. well, did. Well, that's consistent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we always have the moon, <laughs> um, and so they there are costs. To that and so Superman not only realizes his responsibility, but he really has kind of like a Spider-Man uh two moment where he's just like, like, if I'm the only one who can do something about this, it has to be me. Like, I just really appreciate that. Cause like I, again, I think Superman becomes a hero who is often dismissed. Uh big blue boy scout. Uh, you know, they even said it in my version of the movie. Uh, and But that's over the course of several years. Mm-hmm. I love being able to see the humanity of Superman from this perspective and seeing him really struggle to do what is right when he is the only one who can actually stand up and do something about anything. And the cost of making the selfish choice, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I... I don't know if this was in your edit, Grayson, uh-huh, uh-huh. but at one point in time, did Superman carve out a giant cannon out of Mount Rushmore? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a weird thing, because, like, Zod is just like, oh, you will kneel before Head Cannon! Head Cannon is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas and untold stories based on on evidence provided by the film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm just going to say general headcanon, general Zod, mm-hmm. general headcanon, for Superman 2 as a concept, more of like an idea. Uh, I 
I want to say that my my biggest piece of headcanon is that uh, so when Superman flew away for you, did he just like fly away and we just didn't see him until you were at the Fortress of Solitude? Uh, at the beginning? Uh, after he like was, after he got crushed by the truck and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Superman's dead. And then he oh. gets on top of the truck. He's like, oh, oh gosh. And then he just like flies away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So my headcanon is that when he flew away, um, that the thing that he was doing besides just reverse engineering, uh, uh, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, uh, before he was actually doing that, uh, it was that that Superman, uh, was just like a robot. Oh, and that, that, that wasn't really him. And that actually, uh, him going into that chamber was him actually restoring his powers interesting interesting and basically he's just like well i can't outfight them so let me just see if i can out tech them or something like that because it was uh depending on what iteration of superman you read uh he does have like superman robots Mm -hmm. uh that he just like has patrolling the uh fortress of solitude so that's uh that's my headcanon. Is that, that that's where that uh, first got introduced, and they just never said anything about it. I like that. It. Yeah, he kind of Tony Starked it, and just yeah. uh, was like, "Be there for me." Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Because then you could have like some cyborg implications from that, and can really build yep. the world, which is what yep. my headcanon does as well. <laughs> um, I don't know if this scene was in yours, but there. I think it's one of the first human interactions that Zod uh, and his pals have on Earth, not on the moon, but they go against that sheriff and his... Yeah. Okay. So the sheriff says to Dwayne, his deputy, uh, you got to learn to kick A if you <laughs> want to be a peacemaker. Headcanon, Dwayne is peacemaker from the upcoming The Suicide Squad. Oh! Yeah, this is his origin. Um, And expanding the world as well, there was uh, a very familiar uh, character on the street during one of the the big fights. I think it was around the bus fight with the wind. And it's the guy that has the sandwich board that says, uh, the end is nigh. And so that connects us to all of the Watchmen properties as well. Um, since this is happening in New Metropolis, York. Um, so it all works. Um, but yeah, just expanding that DC world, the piece is already there. And if if that was made today, that would be something that's point to in uh, like a new rock stars type video of this yep. is a detail and done very yep. intentionally. So um, I thought that was fun, whether it was intentional or not in my mind. I was like, yeah, just make that the detail. Yeah. That's really good. And for why these versions happen, my overall headcanon is that, you know, at the end of Superman 1, he spins the world around to create new events, which would create a multiverse of possibilities. And I know, like, Uh Crisis on Infinite Earths has explored this. I mean, that's part of the canon of DC now. Um, with all of these and you get rumors of like grant gustin going to be in the flash movie and and things like that where 
when he spun the earth around and created that, that created these two versions. So mm. you and I are just like actually watching versions ah. of different multiverses. That's how it played out. But because it was right after the course correcting event, it changed things uh, not as much as in other worlds. So you yeah. still have like the bus fight and all that kind of stuff. But in my version, he talks to his dad and in yours, he goes to Paris. So that I think is the justification of why this is happening to begin with. And yeah. similar events echo across time, but there are some key differences as well. I mean, that's, that's solid. And it makes, it makes DC comic sense for sure. <laughs> Uh, and also, I'm, and I don't know if I threw this out there before, but I love this Superman so much that my headcanon is that though that that there have been multiple Supermen mm-hmm. who have been on Earth, uh, and not in a multiverse sense, but that the Jor El was not the only family, uh, or the Els, I guess, weren't the only families to like have a shuttle and export uh, their kid before their planet blew up like i think that there were multiple uh and that they all basically are superman Mm -hmm. um but they the but the only history that lasted were the jor-els and so it almost becomes like a title it's just like oh well i am a kryptonian but their family line might not be of the l family uh, but that's all they know. Mm-hmm. And so that that explains why there are multiple supermen. Yeah, 100%. And I would, I would love to see that legitimately explored in some kind of like recasted yeah. remake scenario. Transition. All right, now it's time. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to go to a part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast or remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Before we go into that, I just want to say it was amazing that the Richard Donner cut came out in 2006 mm-hmm. because they like they use actual film, like film film, like the actual film reels from the movie, like from 30 years ago at the time. And then they were actually like like actual line strip editing the movie. Uh, And they were using effects to make it feel like it was a 70s movie and not using early 2000s technology. It was just You can't just drop Jabba the Hutt in there. You gotta (laughs) do it right. Um, Yeah. That's why it's so difficult to tell what was in the original and what wasn't. Um, And it was nice, too, that they... Uh, the very beginning of the Richard Donner cut says that this is in memory of Christopher Reeve, uh, the man who made us uh, believe uh, a man could fly. I think it's phrased better than that, but you get the very uh, emotionally inducing sentiment. Uh, this was for him, like to, to do it the right way, the way that it was intended. Because I also know uh, Christopher Reeve was double booked on another film during a lot of the reshoots, um, mm. which was the 1970s equivalent of growing a mustache. So there were a lot of challenges with this. And I mean, the parallels are crazy. They, we yeah. learned nothing from the past. Let me just say that. No. we learned. Well, that's because it all got oh, rewound. That's right. That twice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So this is, this is their way of honoring him. And it makes sense that it happened whenever 
they were doing Superman Returns because that entire thing, that entire movie was made to kind of bring back that original incarnation of Superman and and uh, kind of tie up that story. So to make sure that every step of that incarnation was done the right way, you could tell it was a labor of love. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, for me, I would say if this were to be remade today, like I honestly, I would love for them to make this into a video game. Mm. I've been really getting into the uh, the Avengers game uh, and something that they do really well in the game is that they Iron Man's flight mechanics are really great. Uh, it's kind of hard to like fly and use weapons and things like that. But anyway, I remember that the Superman Returns game had a really glitchy flight mechanic. Uh, and so after playing the Avengers game, I'm like, oh man, like they could make a, a really solid Superman game, but I would love for them to make it an open world. Mm-hmm. Um, basically the same way that they kind of do the the uh, the Spider-Man games or like the uh, Sony Spider-Man games. Now uh, we just have like, you have access to Metropolis and you can just save the day or you can um, go to Paris. <laughs> but I just think, uh, I think that if they did a Superman to the Richard Donner cut <laughs> storyline for the video game, I think that would be super fun. And if it was the Richard Donner cut, so a big part of him communicating with his father in this cut are these crystals that are different lessons along the way. So they're almost like mm-hmm. interactive video recordings. What a great dynamic for a game that you have to collect these recordings then to Come learn on. new skills from, from your Jedi dad. So it's... Yep. Um, yeah, I think that would be a, a really easy kind of port story-wise to, to make it work. Wow. No, I, I, I think that that makes sense. I love it. Um, for our recasting, I would love to see a slightly older version of these characters. So I had Rob Lowe mm. as Superman and Courtney <laughs> Cox as, um, as Lois Lane. Oh yeah, and I would I would love to see kind of what we get with like Captain America, where he's not going to mm-hmm. age the same way. He's going to have a lot of heartache in his life as you know people get sick and that kind of thing. So I'd love to explore that humanity, like we said, that human part of Superman as he has been on this Earth for a while. Um, so I guess it's kind of like the alternate of instead of Superman returning it's if he had stayed the whole time and you know built a life here what that would look like as you know his grief kind of set in with all of it and all of all of that would culminate in him turning back time one last time and like i would love to see a scene that just in his his anger of losing lois and his frustration and feeling so powerless that he's like i'm going to do absolutely everything i can to bring back not just the woman I loved, but the people I love. And he mm. turns back time all the way to save Pa Kent. And like he and then really opens up a multiverse to go that far back and change history. It's almost like a flashpoint paradox at, at that point where all the events of all the DC properties then are also being reversed. So what does the loss of that is same kind of choice oh, he has to wow. make to this like all the good that has been done over those years is it worth going back 
to save those people. Like you lose mm-hmm. everything and everything. he'll have to make that choice of, I, I have to go back. Like the thing that makes life worth living is the possibility of losing it. And so it has to have an end. It has to have a conclusion. And I think you could have almost a, a Logan esque type version yeah. of Superman. Um, yeah. And I, that, I, oh. I think that would be, oh. I, I think it would resonate with audiences. I man, get Henry Cavill in a full beard and just <laughs> eight man. Yes. I will watch that on repeat and then I'll turn back the earth so I can watch it for the first time again. I love that. I love that idea. You know he can wear the gray hair because I've seen The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Ah, Toss a man. coin to your Superman. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment of the supersized episode. And we're going to give you a reason to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Superman to the Richard Donner cut. So I recommend the Richard Donner cut because it is a continuation of the vision that was intended from the first Superman. And not only does it revise what ended up happening with Superman 2, it revises the end of Superman 1 to have a, a streamlined continuity as best as they can. I also recommend this version because if you are a fan of Superman, this movie was constructed by Superman fans. They, in their own way, flew around the world and reversed time with the tools that they could, bringing in different shots, different takes, deleted scenes. And like you said, painstakingly put it together to feel as authentic as possible and living in a world where we no longer have christopher reeve to come back and shoot additional footage or anything like that this is the closest we can get to that original intent it's a beautiful thing it has weight to it it has loss especially the scenes with um, marlon brando and that relationship is concluded between superman and and jor-el it it moves the story forward while also you know resetting it to continue on with continuity so this story ends with superman having to make the selfless decision and say i am going to sacrifice my relationship with lois lane the thing that really makes me the most human in an alien world and i'm i'm doing it for her good and i'm doing it for the good of humanity uh, and the planet. So it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like the stakes are so raised in this cut and they don't shy away from it. And you have scenes where Lois is going to kill herself and pulls a gun on Clark. And people talk about how dark and gritty the DC universe is now. <laughs> it's always been there. Um, lest you need to be reminded one more time of Batman's origin. It's always mm-hmm. been there. Um, mm-hmm. And so to see that vision of Richard Donner on screen, uh, in in it, all of its glory, it was it was great to see. It was really great to see because I know I've seen Superman to hard stop, but I don't know if I had ever seen the Richard Donner version because it felt like I was seeing this movie for the first time all over again. You 
sold me on the Richard Donner cut. I wish I would have seen it. I wish there was more, but I but I'm glad that I, I can compare and contrast because now I just need to watch both of them. But I'm glad that I watched the other one too. And so I I'd still I'm still gonna recommend the Richard Donner cut because it sounds great. Uh, but I I overall would recommend Superman two because as a sequel it just continues the story and i i'm just a sucker for that like i love when uh you know how ever since harry potter and uh they decide let's do a part one part two of this movie and every every other franchise is just like oh we can make double the money for the same movie i like that (laughs) that's Uh, twice as many (laughs) this feels like the way a narrative sequel should be uh you continue the story from issue to issue it, this, like star wars you know uh it's just like here is this episode installment and here is the following installment of the episode mm. um and it's all connected and interconnected yeah. uh where where you feel like they are telling the same story not just an episodic even though it says episode in it uh where it's just like well everything that happens in this movie is only gonna be tied to this Mm. and then they're just saying hey here's another scenario like i just appreciate how it basically just feels like you're watching just like all right and now for you came back from intermission a couple of years later and now here's act two and three and man of steel and batman v superman is a great example and continuation Mm -hmm. to honor that where you had the zod superman fight and then for the next one you're like let's see the same fight from the street and how horrifying (sighs) this would be to someone like bruce wayne and be like what a monster so yeah Yeah. it's all connected and i love that here too this movie is a great representation of who superman is at his core Uh. Um, and I think that, uh, the legacy of Superman gets lost because he's been existing for so long. Uh, and people just now know him as this, like, oh yeah, you know, the guy who can punch literally reality and just shatter it. Yeah. That Superman. Okay. What challenges is he going to face? But like this movie shows that it's more than just his strength that makes him super man. Oh, super man. (laughs) as well in addition (laughs) well that is our supersized review of the 19 uh something or 2000 something (laughs) time is relative time is relative superman 2 the richard donner cut let us know uh if you have seen the richard donner cut uh, on our social media, we would love to hear from you on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating review. On a scale of one to five, I would say uh, trips to the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was, we could all agree that they were on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, is it like five nuclear warheads or five Parisian elevators? But no, the moon is the common denominator. Let's go one to five moons. Mm. Uh, How would you rate this podcast? And if you have listened this long and we didn't mention at the beginning, we're in the middle of sequelary. We are reviewing a bunch of movie sequels to movies that we have reviewed here on the podcast. So make sure that you stay tuned in right here to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Now 
next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With coming number two, America, hitting theaters pretty soon, we are continuing sequelary with the 1987 Eddie Murphy comedy, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, because what is more American than... Beverly Hills. You got hillbillies, uh, ninjas, cops, a lot. Chihuahuas? (laughs) A lot happening in the BH. (laughs) Troops? I think we just found a new month theme. Cleary? (laughs) Oh, is that? No, not, not part of it.